Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks in a Hunk, a movie podcast where we give pumps and dumps. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks in a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week I'm your hunk. Oh. I'm Doge and you never had a chunk like me. Oh, easy. <laughs> and I'm Carter. And oi, 10,000 years will give you such a chunk in the neck. That's pretty good, Robin Williams. Williams. Bad Robin Williams. Guys, I'm taking all these first shots the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, Samuel L., look at all these things I get to add to my repertoire. <laughs> look at all these voices you're so good at. I put your Robin Williams pretty far ahead of your <laughs> yeah, Samuel L. But. <laughs> Behind, yeah, of hey. my peach tea maker. Yeah, yeah. Hey, why, hunk. Why yeah, are you the yeah. hunk? Why Enough are about you? me. Um, I don't honestly know. Maybe you guys need to tell me. Apparently, I slept through the storm of the century. Dude, yes. You yeah, absolutely did. To it's been the topic of almost all people I've seen. 70 mile an hour winds, gusts of 100. That is three digits <laughs> of miles. Sometimes even hail. Like, this was a crazy, like... So, I... Did you- did I'm you not, not even see? finding out that this storm happened until about what? 10 minutes ago. I didn't even know it existed. I, I could have lived the rest of my life and not known that it was a thing. Did you, you not like drive to work and be like, man, that tree wasn't <laughs> man, over look there. At all this stuff that's messed up now. No, I guess that's not. bonkers. You man. millennials are all the same. <laughs> you're focused, buried in your you're Twitters and your hashtags. <laughs> And you won't even notice when the sky's falling no. down. Yeah, I guess I slept straight through, and so did Callie. So uh, if you're looking to murder a couple people that'll sleep through a home invasion, <laughs> easy come target. on this way. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that makes me the hunk. Yeah, dude. Congrats. You got some good sleep when Pretty most hunky. of yeah. the I Metroplex need, didn't. I need more beauty rest than the average bear. Mm, and yeah. um, mm-hmm. 
which is a lot a for the lot, average bear. A lot of beauty rest. It's like yeah. an entire season, I yeah, think. Yeah, it's big time. If my Nat Geo knowledge is correct. So we're going to have to knock out 20 podcasts next week because Jordan's going to be asleep. going to be asleep until yeah, August. I, I, I sleep from about uh, April 3rd until about uh, July 27th. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> okay, if you could... That's a great icebreaker question because we'd need an icebreaker because we don't know each other that well. Right. If you could, biologically, would you choose to hibernate? If you wake up and feel amazing. Yeah, I would sleep through um, mid-May through the end of August. The whole summer. The entire hot part. I wouldn't do it. I think I'd be too afraid to miss out. I think Talk I would Talk about too. FOMO. Yeah, for real. I can't do it. I've got enough FOMO that I couldn't sleep for that long. I'd catch up on all of it when I woke back up. Yeah. I would just call, <laughs> like you did this storm. I would, yeah, I just a call, binge. I would just call my friends and be like, "What are the highlights? What did I miss?" <laughs> right? It'd be like, well, you just red boxing like crazy. <laughs> you know, as if people still do that. People do that. Yeah, red box yeah. was a deep pull, right? Sorry. What is this? 2017? Wow. For all you kids listening, Redbox used to be a big vending machine. So vending machines were this thing before favor where you could get the (laughs) treats you want when you want. Carter's 30. We're living in a post-blockbuster, post-Redbox world, friends. Yep. 100. It's pretty crazy. (laughs) It's a whole new world, isn't it? But you know what? Hey, isn't this a movie podcast? You know what I'd like to do, though? Well, Blockbuster and Redbox. Okay, fair, fair. But you know what I'd like to do? Yeah. Let's do it. I'd like to hearken back to a day when Blockbuster mm. still reigned supreme and yes. Redbox was but a glint in the eye of the father. When tea yes. was still sweet, watermelon was still wet, and, and the United had, States and- of America was still a country. <laughs> One that I'd like to live in. <laughs> That's right. We're taking you all the way back to the 1990s. Yes. You know the ones. <laughs> You've heard of it. And we're talking about a movie put on... By the Emperor Mouse himself. Nicholas <laughs> M- Mouse. Is that, is that a sentence that you started with any inkling of how it would end? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I could hardly tell. <laughs> I'm a good improver. <laughs> That's right. Hey, improverbs. Ooh. And it's like sayings. It's like a rule book. It's like sayings that get you into a scene. I yeah, love it. Improverbs. Improverbs. The improverbs. Wow. Very nice. Very good. The movie we're talking about this week on this one, it's called Aladdin. And Doge, since nobody's ever seen this movie, yeah, it's sort of like an it. underground sleeper hit. What I'm going to need you to do, snatch me up a real quick synopsis, scatter it on the wind. I'm in rare form today, guys. <laughs> Such rare form. precious. <laughs> Aladdin tells the story of a street urchin living on the streets of Agrabah who one day happens to meet the princess Jasmine, falls madly in love, uh, acquires a genie for his very own, and uses the genie to convince Jasmine that he is a person worth marrying. And that's pretty much it. That's Aladdin. Everyone on the planet has seen this movie. And I've just got to say... I'm sitting in this right now, knowing that we're about to do five more Disney classics, Mm, mm -hmm, just as good mm -hmm. or better than this one, Mm -hmm. which is saying a lot. Yeah. And I am so excited. To be clear, I mean, we asked you guys to pick six movies, and this is the sixth place movie. So this is, by crowdsourced opinion, the worst one that we're going to watch. Right. Or the sixth least favorite one that we're going to watch. Right. And this one's so, so much fun. I really like this movie a lot, but I would agree. This is my least favorite of the six. Yeah. I, would I think agree, so too. I, like, and, and that's saying something because I really love this movie. Yeah. yeah. And so like, we've got a good it's six a really weeks ahead of us. Yeah. Can't wait. We know and you don't, but you will. Yeah. You will. In I, time. I will say, 
before we move on, not to spoil what movies are in the list, I've never been more mad at a group of people in my entire life. <laughs> you let me down, and I hate you. It was really close. It I don't want to talk about man. it more than what I said. I want to say the thing I said, and I want us to be done. <laughs> it was <Okay>. close, man. <laughs> okay. I'm just like looking straight at the wall in front of me like, yes, sir. Sorry, uh, sorry. So it's fine. So I'm a and what I say uh, Street rat. He got a loaf of bread running from bad people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, let's jump right in. So uh, we open up. On our young boy. We got a little... Got we a open little. up... Actually, open up first with The Peddler. That's true. Which is also Robin Williams' oh, favorite opening. Yes. It's so good. Because they just put Robin Williams in front of a live mic. And, and said, like, Robin Williams, that. do that Robin Williams thing that we love. Yeah. And did you know the setup with that? They mm-hmm. had they had come out and it was this table that was just full of random trinkets. And there was a cover over it. And they just had him reach in blind. And whatever he pulled out, he was just going to ad-lib what it was. Shut and that was up, take one gracious. and only. Are you what we, hitting me? The wow. only time he ever did it. They had to edit some things because there was some very Robin Williams inappropriate for Disney movie things he yeah, said. sure, naturally. But this was it. And how fun do you think they had to just be like, do what you want. Gosh. The most. Just go for it. I really think, I get the sense that this movie was entirely built around, we want Robin Williams so badly. Yep. What, what I thought they just wanted Steve from Full House desperately. <laughs> I thought this was all a, a vehicle for Steve. I would be remiss while we're talking about Full House to not point out that one of our featured actresses, oh, Lori Loughlin, <laughs> recently made the move from Full House to the Big House. Nice. She is a confirmed trash can, <laughs> a bad person, <laughs> and... Hallmark is not associating with her anymore, and, and neither, neither are we. we. If done. there was, I, I'll tell you what though, if there was any actor or actress that we've talked about through all of the history of Two Chunks that we thought would get in some real heavy heat, <laughs> some big legal trouble, yeah. some national organization trouble, it would have been her. We absolutely, Aunt Becky. <laughs> oh well, her, her her big problem. I've always said this about her, by the way. Um, it's not even the whole like college admissions thing. It's just uh, she oh, you get something deeper. <laughs> something it goes way deeper. She just like doesn't get Christmas. That's the thing. I she think doesn't, dude. Somebody in jail must have taught her what Christmas actually means, yeah. and that's why she's out on bond right now. Yeah, that must be it. And it's definitely not because she's just rich. And Becky more like Aunt Yucky. Ew. Anyway, sorry, I had to toss that last one. Aladdin. In there. <laughs> so uh, after we get the. Uh, the peddler, is that what we want to call him at sure, the beginning? He's, yeah. pe- he's peddling his wares. Yeah. We jump on in. And I, I sort of like the framing device of this is all sort of a story that the peddler is telling us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the other Aladdins and that never comes back. Well, this is this is the only yeah. one that acknowledges that this is a, a tale, like one of the tales from the Arabian Nights. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is a story within a story. Right. It always has been. Right. Um, but after we get the peddler, we jump on in to, we jump in in media res to our, our young hero, stealing on the streets. Stealing on the streets. And something that we see pretty early in this one that's revealed is something that's a theme in a lot of these Disney classic movies is that we have a protagonist mm. that we either never see their parents yeah. or we only see one. And not only yeah. do we not see them, there's allusions to orphan, mm. um, yeah. like a one-parent home. I mean, you look at Jasmine even. Yeah. Where's the where's the sultess or whatever you call yeah. like what's the opposite of a sultan or not an opposite but like the the equal uh, the sandlot taught me that it's the colossus of clout yeah yeah okay. that's enough. it that's definitely sultan it. of swing colossus um, of clout but yeah he's just out living on his own and guys with everything that's going on in this movie in terms of like ra- I, I I need to do a ranking someday of sidekicks. Mm. 
Abu is excellent. I yeah, Abu rules. Abu. I really focused on Abu almost all the time that he was on screen. He's yeah. so and much he's fun. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, same guy voiced the cave. Cave of Wonders. Really? Yeah. Who was the it big Pete tiger? Welker? I don't know. Because Pete Welker did the tiger movies as well. They're the tiger noises as well. Uh, then yeah, it For was. Raja. Yeah. Then yeah, it was. Pete Welker. Yep. Uh, he so does fun. a lot of those animal noises for Disney. That's okay. So Chelsea and I were kind of breaking it down. And let's see. I think when we started, oh, wow, I'm saying Taylor Lautner on another episode. When we started wow. like trying to check certain boxes for Taylor Lautner, yeah. there's a lot that boxes you can check for both the protagonist and antagonist in these classic movies. Yeah. It seems like the protagonist always has a sidekick and then an extra sidekick that is a form of transportation. So there's like going to be a funny horse <laughs> or carpet in this yeah. sense. Yeah. Yep. And then you're just major sidekick. It's never just one. Look at look at Tangled with like Pascal the Chameleon yes. and the funny horse. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And even if you look like Mulan, it's not just Mushu. It's also that cricket. What's Cric- the cricket's name? Cricky? No, no. it's not Cricky. It's definitely what is not the cricket's name? <laughs> I don't remember. I do remember that he almost gets eaten in porridge and I don't like that. Pocahontas has the raccoon and the hummingbird. Mm. Like, so it's it's always, but again, one of these is not a form of transport. But hey, it's guys, a strong hummingbird. The cricket's name is Cricky. Okay, great. That's fine. C-R-I-K-E-E. Is you it got really? it. Come at me. I don't think they ever say it. Your cricket <laughs> trivia. <again. laughs> Come at me with your cricket trivia. Cricky, but, crickia. Um, Abu is great. Abu yeah. is great. And while we're talking about voices, I'm 90% sure that the leader of the Sultan's Guard is Pete. It is. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought. Oh, yeah. Even kind of looks like him. A little bit. That's bit. funny. Disney kind of has that one, that one big intimidating guy that they draw. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like, and they do John Ratzenberger all the time for Pixar stuff. Yeah, the the one big intimidating guy is always voiced by Pete. Always has a big double chin and is missing a tooth. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that character is in a lot of Disney movies. I love it, and like it's so fun too with all the detail. Like Pixar isn't the first time that Disney started doing Easter eggs. Right. Oh, no Disney way. has been an Easter egg producer for a long time. Right. There's even a frame later of Raja when he is turning from pup like a little a little kitten to full grown form again to where on one frame it's literally just Mickey's face. Yep. Really? They Jump do catch, stuff like that all the time. They hit Mickey in the market as well. No, I didn't There's see three it. Three little paper globes that make a Mickey. So I think that's something that would be fun to do in the series is if we do a hidden Mickey watch. Yeah, we, we can do that. Reveal the hidden Mickeys. For yeah. sure. Absolutely. And so he's running through uh he is uh I mean Aladdin was doing parkour before parkour was a thing. Yeah. Can we agree? <laughs> he's real parkour. Real parkour. <laughs> we never learn why Jasmine's so good at it too, but she is. They barely touch on that at one point. She's just like, she's got <laughs> the skills. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know what I mean? Jasmine um, brings the skills. I would guess, and we don't have to talk about every single song for all these movies because there's a lot and there's going to be some that we miss, but I guess the We're first one- We're going to talk one, about most songs. Yeah, the first clear. one for this we would be- we will take breaks to sing the entire song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So we, I think it's important now even that we say, and we'll probably say this more, but like all three of us are musicians. And so like- the songs are going to stand out to us in big ways. Yeah, big time. And I would imagine they stand out to everybody because that's one of the things that Disney does so well and has so for a long time. Yeah. Well, did you know Aladdin was nominated for five Oscars? No, I didn't. Wow. It won two for uh, Best Original Song, which they actually had two, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but they had two songs that were nominated for Best Original Song in the same category. And then uh, it won for Soundtrack. Was yeah. it for the score? Was it A Whole New World and Friend Like Me? Yep. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yep. yep. It was those two and A Whole New World one. Okay. Which yep. is which is top three most iconic Disney songs, would Easily. you not say? Easily. Yeah. Huge. I yeah. think A Friend Like Me is better. It is. Right. Yeah, but, anyway, but it's not. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. 
This is great. Yeah. Um, so basically in the streets of Agrabah, we sort of get a sense for what Aladdin's capable of and kind of mm-hmm. who he is as a person. One of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when he finally gets the bread and he sits down to eat it and he sees that two young kids yep. are hungry. So good. And yeah. so he decides, okay, they deserve this more than me. Now I do have a question. Is the animation of these two kids, is it the same as uh, Pain and uh, whatever in Hercules? Yeah, I think it's, I I think think it's, it's the, the same, same kids. kids that Pain and Panic turn into. Yeah. yeah. Oh. In Hercules. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I had never noticed that. I, I I'm go pretty sure it. it is. I, I want to double check. No, no, no. It totally makes sense because like, one of them's mm. real slender and the other one's a little pudge. Yeah. Little yeah. pudgy. There's all kinds of little stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. later on when the Sultan's stacking his toys, did you guys see the toy that's Beast from Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. 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 There's something yep. else that happens when he's trying to transform, uh, when Genie transforms Abu into an elephant, he transforms into something from another Disney movie first. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember us being like, oh, that's. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Okay. But it was like very obvious when it first happened. <laughs> anyway, I, I do want to take a minute to pump on Aladdin giving that bread and the it's boogie so bread. Good. Does that, do you guys think that's a setup for, because I'm trying to determine what is Aladdin's kind of what's his core character trait. Right. Right. And, it, and it, do you guys think it's a setup of like Aladdin is compassionate and wants to take care of the people who can't take care of themselves? And that's, that's paid off ultimately in the form of, his last wish with Genie. Yes. Right. I, I think that Aladdin's main character trait in this movie is, uh, whether you want to call it compassionate or generous or man of the people, I think that he is selfless. Uh, that's what that's what I would put it as, is yeah. ultimately selfless after taking a sort of selfish winding road to get there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah, and so, none of the selfishness, like the moment he becomes selfish, everything falls apart. Right, yeah. Big time. Yeah. It makes for a spectacle, yeah, but it's that's something I'd love to talk about him. with these Disney movies. I don't want to reduce them to like moralism or anything like like they're not like moral tales. They're not yeah. like lesson stories, but but aren't they though? I think there's you an know? element of like I've watched this movie so many times that I just I just things happen and they go in kind of in one eye and out the other, and I'm right. not taking the time to say okay, what is this narratively? What's the purpose of this? So I'd love yeah. to kind of actually look into that kind of stuff through this series. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think we should definitely do that. Yeah, for sure. So so um, we meet sort of the Sultan and Jafar and Iago the Parrot and uh, Jasmine, sort of their whole crew. Yeah, and do we meet Jafar and Iago outside of the temple? The first time we ever meet them is when they're trying to Gazim is going up. into, yeah. and then he he did. Yeah, he, he did. So, yep. Um, the Cave of Wonders is one of the loudest things that exists. <laughs> it's so loud. It's like infinitely louder than the rest of the You'll movie. talk to me a little bit about this thing that Disney was doing in the 90s where they would have moments of 3D, like yeah. three-dimensional animation. Most, we get that. Most So Disney was doing that. DreamWorks was doing that. There's okay. a, in, in particular, a very lengthy sequence in Prince of Egypt of like that kind of CG animation when he's watching the hieroglyphics and stuff like that. Yeah, you well, know? Hercules, I always think of the Hydra. Yeah. The Hydra is basically... I always think of Tarzan surfing on vines. Yeah. So in in Beauty and the Beast, it's the great hall that they're dancing in. Right. It's three-dimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think it's a... a, So basically the way that the animation would work is that they would have, in the old days, like for Robin Hood and those kinds of, like that era of Disney movies, even up to like the Fox and the Hound and stuff like that, um, they would have like a a matte painter come in and paint these gorgeous backgrounds and they would lay the transparent animation cells on top of that. So the back the background wouldn't change, and that's why, like, if you're watching Oliver and Company when they're dancing through the oh, street in Why Should I Worry, which I'm bummed that we weren't Such able to include that, but song. when they're dancing through the street in Why Should I Worry, that's why New York City is like painted and gorgeous and fully rendered, and then Dodgers like a two dimensional animation that's right. that's moving through the scene. 
what CG did is it allowed them to paint full environments in that style and move the camera around in a way that's more similar to live action. But I think, at least for me, it didn't work in this one. Like the, no, the no. trade-off was way too noticeable in this I one. I think it was for me too. Um, and I remember, I don't know if I was impressed as a kid, but I even noticed it like when yeah. I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And I think I might've been five or six. I think it made me scared. Yeah. Yeah. I think the like difference in animation was like unsettling. Yeah. I mean, the it's the Cave of Wonders. Is that what it's mm-hmm. called? Yeah. That yeah. was intimidating to me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love how that massive tiger has an earring. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Yeah. It's great. It's pretty cool. It kind of characterizes the cave a little bit, which I think is very fun. Right. Um, but we get sort of, uh, Aladdin's first interaction with Jasmine down in the square when she decides, I don't want to marry any of these dudes. I'm out. I'm going to bounce. And she throws on sort of a a wrapping so nobody can see who she is and goes out into the market and, uh, gets caught stealing an apple for a young kid. So right away we see that her and Aladdin share the same heart for people Mm -hmm. that are hungry, hurting, whatever. I'd like to track that throughout the series. Do our two leads, because most of these movies have a romantic component. Sure. Do they have the same core want? You know what I mean? Sure. I, yeah, I think well, same they, or complimentary are the yeah. ideal situations. Yeah, here. and I would say a lot of it's similar because they do have the moment where they say the same thing mm, when they yeah. go to his house or wherever yeah. he's living, essentially. Um, another thing that I'd, I'd love to talk about, and I don't think we're filling up too many boxes to check as we talk about all the movies, but um, so Jasmine is a Disney princess. Right. And so I think there's some good things that she stood up for. Um in terms of saying, like, I'm not going to let anybody choose, like, force me to do this. So we see as a princess, it's like, uh, this is going to happen because I say it's going to happen and she wants right. to be independent. And right. She doesn't want this kind of thing. So those are some of the good moral qualities, I think, for her. But I think outside of that, is she one of the more shallow princesses to you? I like that she shows compassion. Yeah. I like that she values truth. Uh you know, I, so maybe I, she's not, but she is also a princess with maybe the least amount of screen time of all the princesses. She she is the least, like, I I tend to not see a lot of people that are, like, the Disney obs- princess-obsessed type people. Like, I don't see a lot of huge diehard Jasmine fans. Yeah. Um, if my mom were here, she would tell me that it's because she shows her belly. Oh, yeah, gosh. That's very appropriate. A, a, a lot of the Disney princesses, <laughs> a lot of the Disney princesses are the protagonist. Yeah. I don't think Jasmine is. No, no she's not. No way. So she's just Aladdin's love interest. No, you're right. But I do love, I mean, they make a big deal about, you know, I am not a prize to be won. Yeah, I think I she does not. demonstrate more agency than other princesses who are and who are damseled and put in that love interest spot. I, and I think she you could so, make an argument that Jasmine is a more uh, role model worthy princess than like a Cinderella. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Everything Cinderella, Cinderella is a a passenger in her own movie. That's great. In her own yeah. story. And everything she does is to get that prince. Yep, that's true. Dang. Whereas Jasmine's like, I'm okay alone if you're going to be like this. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Au revoir. And she, Jasmine does play a big part in, uh, she shows some wit towards the end and kind of takes things into control and and can fend for herself. Yeah. I think that too is to show like, hey, I can do this. That whole mentality, like when she pole vaults across the tops of the buildings and things like that. So fun, fun fact, two of them on Jasmine. One, uh, her design, her character design was partially after Jennifer Connelly. Did you know that? What? Really? Yeah. I can really? absolutely see that. Jennifer Connelly was one of the influences there. Interesting. Uh, and then also with the apple. The apple was kind of a recurring thing. They throw an apple back and forth to each other. Uh, Aladdin does it often in the movie. Yeah. He even does it when they're flying on the carpet over Greece. Yep. And so the throwing of an apple to someone that you're courting is a, a symbol of uh, like asking for engagement. Really? In, wow. in Greek times. And so they were like, so that's all the kind of stuff that Disney 
yeah. doesn't do by accident. In high school, we used to eat apples down to the core and then throw them as hard as we could at our friends because they explode when they hit you Amazing. on the flat part of your body. And Amazing. so I proposed to a lot of people in high school. I once watched a person, and this is within the last six months, watched a person eat an apple down to a core. And I told him, it would be such a power move if you ate the whole thing. And then and he, he did. ate the entire he did thing, the whole thing, ate the entire core, every seed, everything. So much power. He's my dad now. Like, yeah. <laughs> legally. Yeah. You can now be my father. Thank you. Wow. That's right? awesome. It kind of blows your mind. That's a power move. That's there was such no a power move. Either. I mean, it was just, it was just, here we go. Chomp, chomp. The end. It was incredible. <laughs> oh. So um, after we sort of get to know Jasmine and Aladdin as a couple, sort of stir things around in the pot a stir little bit. Jafar's like, nah, no chance. This is my dude. This is my diamond in the rough. He's going to be the one who opens the cave. I'm going to take him. Uh-huh. Kidnaps, fakes his death, takes him to the Cave of Wonders. Uh-huh. Here's where things get interesting. 35 minutes in. Yeah. We are introduced to... I'm... But the most iconic animated character of all time? I mean... I think that's probably fair. One of them. There's so much trivia on the fact that he changed the game. Yeah. So, so in the bottom of the Cave of Wonders, we finally get the lamp. We yep. rub the lamp. After Jafar leaves Aladdin to die. Yep. And, and tells Jasmine that Aladdin's dead. That's right. an important part. And yeah. out of the lamp comes, and I'm going to say this now, so I'm the first one, my super pump for this movie, Robin Williams as the genie. My super pump for this movie is Robin Williams as the genie. So mine's a little different, and we can get to that in a little bit. Cool. But it's totally around the same, the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, I love every moment the genie is on the screen in this movie. Friend Like Me, mm. the song was not was not even really on my list of top five Disney songs until I rewatched this as an adult mm-hmm. and was able to catch everything that they squeezed into that song. Yes. Like the writing, the performance, everything about that song is completely next level. It's just bonkers. It's and I would argue in the best way. I would argue that the genie elevates this movie into a completely different space than it would have been. Even had somebody else been cast in that role, even if the writing was the exact same and somebody else was cast. Yeah. I really think Robin Williams, in much the same way that Viggo and Mahershala put Green Book on their shoulders, Robin Williams was like, Aladdin, perfect. Put that movie in my backpack. I'm going to carry it right now. And the the rumor was that he was doing some of this voice acting in between the filming of, I think, Hook and Toys which was going to come oh, out. Did y'all man. read any of the story on that stuff? No. So Robin Williams got the minimum pay for this. Oh, okay. He got the wow. minimum amount you could possibly make. He got paid like $75,000 to make this movie. And it's because he said he didn't want this. He asked Disney, please don't let this do, because he had all his eggs in the toys basket, which yeah. was this movie. If you haven't heard of it, that's part of the twist. So he had all his eggs in this basket. He didn't want two movies fighting against themselves and them hurting the the making money-making for either of them. And so he said, here's the deal. You have to do a few things for me. Of course, I'll do this for you. And I'll tell you a little bit why he's convinced because that's part of my super pump. But he says, I'll do this for you. But um, I want to be a minimal part of it, which honestly he is. Genie's really only on screen for like 25 minutes of a a 90-minute movie. Uh, He said, I don't want you to use my voice for toys or anything like that, which they don't. And he said one of the big things was for the movie poster... Just make Genie, the specific request, just make him just 25%. I only want to be a quarter of the poster. Like, I don't want to be that big deal of a poster. So they do. But if you look at the old poster, 
he fills up the entire 25% of the poster. Yeah. yeah. Genie is the biggest thing at the top of all of this, like Vader in the background of A New Hope. Yeah. yeah. And um, all this stuff happens. They're breaking all the rules. So so Disney and Robin, Robin Williams has a really bad relationship with them. When he ends up getting a, an award that an Academy made up for Genie, like how you would do for Andy Serkis's Smeagol, yeah. he never thanks Disney. Yep. Because he's so burned by it. He says, this is I, I, this is what I asked of you and you've completely milked this and lied to me. And so he wasn't, he didn't get back into the relationship with Disney until like two or three sequels to Aladdin later and he comes back. Yeah. There but, still is in the effect that they can't use his voice in like theme park rides and yeah. stuff. They can't use his voice for any sequels. And the, the rumor is that's why Disney's so adamant about developing a live action Aladdin because they want to be able to use Will Smith as genie wow. and stuff like that now. That's such a big deal. And yeah. so- um, yeah, I don't think I don't think Robin Williams came back until King of Thieves. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. And it was such a perfect storm. And so my super pump is actually, I'm not going to keep saying his first name because I don't think I'm totally right, but I'll say it one time, Michael Goldberg. But Goldberg is the specific animator of the genie. Mm. The work that he did, and again, this is 98% Robin Williams, but so he goes and pitches to Robin Williams because he's their number one choice. So he says, let me show you about this because Robin was kind of unsure at first. So he goes and animates the genie into a stand-up routine that Robin Williams did a couple years before. Wow. And says, look at what we can do. Wow. And he, he's, they said like Robin just signed immediately. He's like, absolutely. But for him, for this animation, because so Robin Williams ad-libbed so much that this would have been nominated for six Oscars, the sixth being best adapted screenplay. But it got nom- it it went so off script that they were like, this doesn't even count wow, as an adapted really? screenplay. He had over 16 hours of vocal recording. Yep. Imagine Robin Williams, right? Yeah. With that much time in the studio. Holy moly. So there's all this stuff they didn't use. And so he does all of this and almost all of it's improvisational. That's why you can't be an adapted screenplay completely off the book. And then this guy gets to come in behind and try and animate. And how how do you, no one would have even assumed that you could put some kind of structure to the character of Robin say, Williams. How do you physically depict but his it's brand of comedy? Yeah. yeah, it's perfect. The way he has him turn into actually turn into people. Yeah, actually yeah. more from like Schwarzenegger to Ed Sullivan, and then he's all over the place. Yeah. And then they have all these like fireworks and all that stuff to animate that. The Jack Nicholson was. Oh my, my gosh, gosh. Nuts. so good. So to animate that, that's why he, that guy specifically Goldberg is my super pump because yeah. he is really what put it above and beyond in terms of animation. Yeah. Like that was unreal. And this was before there was like motion capture. Yeah. Right. Like Robin Williams wasn't wearing all the little white balls on his face. Like, And, and he was in a booth. This wasn't even rotoscope. So like Snow White was rotoscoped, which basically means they filmed a woman dancing in the woods yeah. and then traced over her outline and added forest animals and stuff like that. But this was none of that. Like no. this was not rotoscope. This wasn't mocap, nothing. Yeah. Nope. And so I, I just thought that was brilliant, brilliant work that just completely made the movie. Yeah. So I, I think I agree. That's huge, awesome. Huge, huge, huge. It's really cool. Wow. All three super pumps. Kind of makes me tired. <laughs> makes Man. me feel like maybe I need to take a quick break. So super. It is supposed oh, to yeah. storm soon, so. Hey, I'm a little sleepy. Maybe we could jump on into the, uh, we can jump on into the time for shout announcements. You know, the part of the show where we shout stuff out and give announcements. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Like yeah. So <laughs> let's do that. Uh, let's do that right now. Okay. Welcome to Shout Announcements, the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. I'm Jordan. Here we go. Whoa. <laughs> doing, like a, doing like a fun morning AM radio. Dude, fun is Hang not on, the we'll first go thing AM I radio heard. for sure. You ready for that? Yeah. Do it again. <clears throat> hey, you're 
listening to Shout Announcements, the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. I'm Jordan. Let's go. This game sucks. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. First shout out we're going to give today. Shout out's going to go to Wax Space and Tyler Station. Thank you so much, Wax Space and Tyler Station. We're in you right now. You Yay. drink your coffee, we record here. If you're in Dallas and you need to work, this is your place. And I'm Doge. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, studio audience. Uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to everybody who voted in our Disney poll. Uh, this is a crowdsourced series, and we're very, very excited about it. Thank you guys so much. Now, studio audience, please boo Doge because I wasn't done. Oh, the next shout out that I'm going to give. <laughs> this is amazing. The next shout out that I'm going to give is going to be a big one. It's going to Podbean. My oh, time is that's almost up. <laughs> It's like a fun improv game. I do. It's going to go to Podbean. We put stuff on you, mostly our podcast, by paying you money. Thank you, Podbean. Yeah. Completely our podcast. Studio audience loves that Podbean. And everybody, it's me. It's Carter. It's Harry me. Gary. I'm back. And I love. <laughs> Look out. It's me. It's Carter. I just want to ask you guys again please don't forget, rate, review, Subscribe. That's right. <laughs> They're going wild for it in the back there, Carter. They're going wild way back there in their thousands of thousands of audience members. Gosh. That was man. sort of a mid-level joke. <laughs> but please, seriously, as I'm still in this voice, don't forget to rate and review this podcast because we want to be famous. It's hard to convey sincerity in this style of voice, but we need this so bad. So bad. <laughs> Oh no, everybody unsubscribed and deleted this episode. <laughs> that was amazing. We do have one last piece of news. We just got it right before we started oh, the session. Yeah. Does you want to Dropped hot. Us? Breaking news. James Gunn. Yes, sir. Jimothy Gunn. Jimothy Gunson has been reinstated as director of Guardians 3. This would have gone in yesterday's Mini Monday episode, but we literally just found out about this right now. Our like in. two and a half minutes ago. Very yeah, exciting. Moment. Super excited. This is coming hot off the tail of a conversation I literally just had where I told somebody that Guardians 3 was probably not going to happen, and now <laughs> James Gunn's back. Yeah, honestly, that's a big move for Disney. Yeah, that's to huge. To kind of, uh, I don't know if I'd call it going back on their word or something, but it's definitely, there had to be a lot of influence with those cast members, especially like Bautista, who was yeah. saying, I'm not going to do it Yeah, if he's not here. And while what happened to James Gunn or what he had, the content he put out there a long time ago was obscene. Um, it was still something at the time. He was like a shock comic and it was yeah. just, anyways. And he, and he did sort of apologize for that. Right. Too, and he's so. cleaned up after that. So, yeah. Amazing. Crazy. So, big, big news. And now back to the show. Yeah. So, very appropriately for you to be using these this applause, or for our studio, live studio audience to be applauding us right now. Hey, give me a cue when you want me to cut it. This one's so long. Go ahead and cut it. That was the a great job. thing we about that. We killed our entire audience. They're dead now. They stopped clapping immediately. <laughs> Another fun trivia bit is when they were doing pre-screenings of Aladdin. Preenings. Preenings. The audience was not clapping after the musical numbers. And that's something they really wanted. So they thought, hmm, let's just throw an applause sign over Genie. What? That is so funny. And they kept it. I love that applause sign. That's yeah, so funny. Right? That's something that really stood out to me. Chelsea yeah. and I were talking about 
a few things. Like for some reason, the bread at the beginning really stood out to me as a kid. Like just the animation of that. I don't know why. The watermelons, when that guy's selling watermelons and they're diving into those. Any any Disney food automatically looks like the best food. Because their mouths are so full when they're taking a bite. Yeah, it's always a bite. And it's just just like… I specifically remember the cheese in a Goofy movie. Oh, yeah. In the The hotel room. We'll never know, will we? And the cheese on the pizza. Like just Disney food looks good. So when we come to the end of the series, I want us to rank the Disney food that is eaten in these movies. Yep. I like that. Uh, Do we talk? Do we talk? I guess we do. It's a podcast. Do we want to talk about the few rules that Jeannie has um, that you just can't wish for? Sure. First one, easy. No problem. No no wishing for more wishes. wishes. Can't wish for more wishes. You can't make somebody wish for somebody to fall in love with you, which that's a plays a big part later. And you can't kill anybody. And you can't bring anybody back from the dead. And you can't bring anybody back from the dead. So that plays into uh, Aladdin's... I kind of tricks him. He's a little tricksy. He tricks the genie to get them out of the get cave Get that first of wish. Love that. Real good. Uh, but then we go to this like oasis mm-hmm. island, mm-hmm. which has a really fun scene. And the legitimate first wish comes out. Yep. Which makes for another great song. Yes. Do we want to talk about this first wish first? Genie like, Make Me a Prince? Yeah, Make yeah. Me a Prince. Um, and just what happens, I guess we kind of referenced it a little bit. Abu turns into, man, I wish we could remember. It looks exactly I'll like- look it up. I'll see what I can see. Okay, that's fine. But um, Prince Ali. Ali Ababwa. He about to come. Yeah. About to figure this out. Marches on in mm-hmm. with his elephant and his, his entourage. 75 golden camels. Stomps his way through Agrabah. That's a, another really fun song. It's a great one. It's a really great song. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dump on Jasmine's facial recognition abilities. Mm. Um, didn't really, <laughs> yeah. Didn't really hide a lot. No, he's basically <laughs> looks the same that he did before, just with a hat. Unless, I mean, yeah. I mean, how do we pull off a mask for Prince Ali? Maybe we could have. Maybe we. I don't know. You could have made him look different. Yeah. Actually, that could have been pretty cool. Yeah. Like a human Shrek. Yeah. Shrek. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm trying to figure out that Abu transformation. And so I Googled Abu transforms. And I'm watching it now. Abu first becomes... Nope, just right into an elephant, it looks like. And the video I found... The video I found is called Male Shapeshift 72. So I'm terrified <sighs> what YouTube is going to begin suggesting me. Yeah, you might have a weird Whoa. future ahead of you, my man. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, was Jafar's... Master plan before Prince Abubu or after? Um, well, so first of all, one thing I want to make very clear is like so close and yet so Jafar. And the reason I say that is because I, I think a little of this, a little of that, I think he had an idea beforehand of what he wanted to do. Yeah. And then I think it sort of solidified when Iago gave him the nudge that he needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And speaking of that nudge. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, Jafar was almost Patrick Stewart. And that's a dump for me that it didn't happen. Yeah. Patrick Stewart nice. says that's like his biggest regret in in movies was that he did not jump on voicing Jafar. He was doing Star Trek yeah, things, which I guess guess were pretty iconic. Whatever. In their, in their own way. Whatever, Pat. Um. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit this to my wife. And it's when Iago, ap- appropriately all the time on Jafar's shoulder, is really kind of pulling the strings mm-hmm. and coming up with these ideas himself. And so 
Guys, is Iago the number one antagonist in this film? Is he the main antagonist? I think we are proven at the end of this movie that Jafar is easily swayed. I think Iago, I think it's like a pinky in the brain situation. Yes, I was just thinking of that too. Try to take over the world. Yeah. I think Iago is the main guy. Yeah. Or almost like a worm tongue. Yeah. To Theoden. That is such a spicy take. Maybe like Krang. From mm. the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I was like, and hmm? Jafar is the big Krang body. Ooh, maybe yeah. he is. Or like Master Blaster from Beyond Thunderdome. Mad yeah. Max. Could yeah. be. He's the master. Yago's the master. Jafar's the blaster. He's the blaster. And so that is why, uh, if you were to look at the Velin diagram, mm. I have not considered Jafar brilliant, though he is brutal. And willing, and he, I mean, he killed Gazim mm, and has yeah. referenced killing others. So wants would, to kill Aladdin. I would maybe put Iago in Dude, as the brilliant Iago villain. Is the sender. And then I would say that com- by their powers combined, instead of Captain Planet, they are one whole terrifying villain. Yeah. So would you say Iago? Because I put him as, I put Jafar as broad too. Yeah. I think we decided Jafar was broad because he, I mean, he pretty much holds the cosmos in his hands yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, would Iago be broad and brilliant and just not brutal? Because he really hasn't done... I think I would put Iago at... Simply brilliant? Yeah, I would. At brilliant, yeah. Maybe we'll start adding some of these side side pieces because you have Shere Khan, but then you also have Ka. Yeah, yeah. Who kind of plays a big role too. Listeners, let us know what you think too. Yeah. Tweet at us, email Very us. Very interesting. Yeah, is Iago played by Gilbert Gottfried actually the true villain inside of Aladdin? <laughs> Is Gilbert himself? What's eating Gilbert? Is that the true villain? Ooh, Leo, it all comes back. Which also great casting. Yeah. yeah. We haven't oh, really said good. that yet. That's really perfect. Good. He just naturally sounds like a parrot. Yes. Yeah. I sort of feel like Gilbert Godfrey, you could be like, so we've got this movie. I'm in. Yeah. Well, you didn't let us finish. No, I'm in. I'm there. I'll do yeah, it. I'll do uh, it. Do I get to play a bird? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Please let me play a bird. Uh, did you notice that anytime Prince Ali lies, his feather falls? Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.